Hey there, welcome to uh, Thursday's Richie Allen Show on the 24th of November 2022. I'm Richie Allen. Max Egan will be on the programme this afternoon, live from Mexico, from Mexico. Looking forward to that. Great guy is Max. Been some time since we spoke. He'll be live at the top of the hour. It is five o'clock, not the top of this hour, the top of the next hour. And he'll be with us then for 45 to 50 minutes. So you can join in and put questions through me for max at richieallen.co.uk. That is my website. And Comment Live is the facility to use when you get there. Welcome. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, tis myself, tis myself. So yes, it'll be nice to catch up with Max again. Between now and then, I've got, um, well, I've got a bag full of stories for you to digest, or we can digest them together. Lots of interesting things happening today, particularly today. We're going to talk about migration. We're going to talk about triple-demic. What the hell is a triple-demic? I'll tell you what it is. It's more fear-mongering from the government about pandemics this coming winter, so we'll talk about that. A little bit of World Cup news as well, why not, sure, for the crack. And then, as I've already said, but I'll say it again, Max Egan will will be on the Richie Allen Show for the first time in quite a few months, so that'll be good. Uh, Before I go any further, I would like to say hi to Lily Dower. Hi, Lily. Lily, how are you? And thanks for your lovely email overnight. Richie, just a quick one to say, could you please say hello to my lovely friend Ange? She has just discovered you, and would you mind playing for her the audio clip from that Muppet who was ranting about anti-vaxxers being booted out of hospital beds so he can have one when he has a reaction to the jabs. It has me roaring every time. I must admit, I usually listen to your show the morning after while getting ready for the day. There's nothing better than Richie's big sweary trap to get you going in the morning. (laughs) Never heard it described like that, um, Lily, but thank you. Nothing better than Richie's big sweary trap. Yeah, to get her going in the morning. But I'm often consumed with regret when I hear you have a phone in and I've missed my chance to call you. So I'm going to try and listen live more often and call you for a gas. Much love from Lily. Thank you, Lily. And how could I refuse your very simple request for me to play the clip from Matthew? And again, if you've not heard this before, let me tell you, about 18 months ago, or thereabouts, a guy called Matthew phoned the BBC's breakfast programme, which at the time was being co-presented by Nicky Campbell and Rachel Burden. She's still there. He's gone on to do something else for BBC Radio 5 Live. And Matthew was apoplectic. Why should anti-vaxxers be allowed into hospital if they are unwell? Hospital places should surely be reserved, says Matthew, for people like himself who were brave enough to get the jab, but who might fall, well, victim to a side effect or two. I had the vaccine. It put me in hospital for a day. But I haven't moaned. I've had the second one, and it put me in hospital for another day. But I'd much rather have that than COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and? Why on earth should somebody who has refused to have it take a bed that I might need if I have a bad reaction to it? No, Matthew had the jab once, got a bad reaction, went to hospital, 
Muppet had it a second time, got a bad reaction, went to hospital again. So why should you, dear listener, and me, and Lily Dower, and Ange, why should we go to hospital? If we need to go to hospital, those beds should surely be reserved for numpties who are stupid enough to take an experimental medicine, an mRNA jab that was rushed out at the speed of light. Yes. Thank you for bringing it up. I suppose, looking back over the three years, that is the craziest. I have an audio bank here in the studio and there are several thousand voice samples, bits and bits and bobs from various television and radio programmes over the last five, six, seven, eight years. It isn't any more, it doesn't get any crazier than Matthew. I had a jab, got a bad reaction. I had the vaccine. It put me in hospital for a day. But I haven't moaned. I've had the second one. And he put me in hospital <laughs> for another day. But I'd much rather have that than COVID. <laughs> and it put me in hospital for another day. Hey, listen, depending on who you believe, Apple, that's Apple, yes, the company, I admitted it to you before so I can admit it again. I've got an iPhone. Um, because there's an old saying in Ireland. It goes, a change is as good as a rest. I was using Samsung phones for years. Uh, it's, it's a company thing. The, the Richie Allen Show is a company and... It has a phone. It, yeah, I get a phone every two years. It gives me a new phone every two years. And my my provider. And I got tired of just doing the same thing all the time, getting the same phone. So I opted this time for an iPhone just for the crack. And I never will again. I'll probably go back to the Samsung model or something else in the future. But anyway, it is rumoured that Manchester United, which might very well be up for sale if you believe the Glazer brothers, uh, Apple might be bidding for them. Now, this emerged early this afternoon or late this morning. And initially, it came across as just a spoof, as just Twitter nonsense. But there might be some truth in it. Apple might very well be putting together a deal to buy Manchester United. What would you think about that if you're in this city of Salford, where they love Manchester United predominantly, or in Manchester, let me know. And on the same, basically on the same newspapers, they're saying that the founder of Zara, a guy called Amancio Ortega, never heard of him, but then it doesn't matter that I never heard of him. He's about the 19th richest man in the world. Amancio Ortega. He's registered interest in buying Manchester United. He owns the Inditex Empire, which owns Zara. That'd be good, that, if he was sitting in the director's box, Armancio Ortega, to phone the bench, because they can phone the bench to tell Eric Ten Hag, the manager, that he needs to take in his trousers, maybe. Or he needs to put a hem in his skirt. Don't think Eric Ten Hag wears skirts, but you never know. Lovely. So what do you make of that? Bit mad, really. I think, as a Manchester United fan since 1978, I am since 1978, I think it doesn't matter who buys the club. Whoever buys the club... Um, there is an, inev- an, an inevitability Every, you're going to laugh at this but there will be a period of dominance thereafter because it's going to be a company or a family with uh, tens and tens of billions and they're just going to give them a blank cheque I think, you never know um, it hasn't always worked in the past when billionaires have taken over football clubs so we'll see let's start with this because I think it's muy importante Es es muy importante. It's important. Net migration reached half a million this year 
in the UK. That is the highest on record. It is being claimed that this is due to an increase in the number of foreign students coming to the UK and also the Ukrainian refugee scheme. Now, according to the Office for National Statistics, the ONS, total immigration reached 1.1 million in the year to June this year, right? So June to June. Um, now, around 560,000 people scarpered, left the UK. So if you take 560,000 away from 1.1 million, you're left with a net migration of 504,000 people in the past 12 months. Simply put, the country has grown in size by half a million in around about a year. Okay. Now, according to the Times newspaper following this, that is more than double the 293, excuse me, that is more than double the 239,000 net migration recorded in the previous 12 months and higher again than the pre-Brexit record of 336,000 in March 2015. Now, the Times says that this news will pile the pressure on the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and his Home Secretary Suella Braverman, basically to introduce new measures to cut net migration. So, yes, this, this is everywhere this afternoon. You've got the left against the right, the liberal media, if such a thing exists, against the conservative media. You're a racist, you're a bigot, um, you're a crazy liberal. uh, All of that's going on this afternoon, you know, concerning migration. Now, so the ONS, the Office for National Statistics, they said the record, the net migration record set this year was driven by these unique factors like the two visa schemes for the Ukrainians fleeing the war, Uh, the post-pandemic resumption of international travel, and also Britain's transition to a new points-based immigration system after Brexit. They also mention Hong Kong citizens fleeing Beijing, but amazingly, no mention of thousands of Albanian economic migrants crossing the channel. Now, I am well aware that there are other people crossing the channel who are not Albanian economic migrants and are genuine, or they believe they are genuine asylum seekers, but no mention of the Albanian economic migrants coming. So this is a staggering thing, really. Okay, net migration of 504,000 in the year to June. Let's have a little bit of reaction to that news. Tory, or Conservative Party MP, James Daly, here he is speaking to Talk Radio earlier. These are figures that are going up over a number of years. It's completely unsustainable. We don't have the the infrastructure. We don't have the schools. We don't have, um, you know, the, the, the general social impact of this level of immigration on every aspect of life in this country, yeah. I'm afraid it's going, we, we are we are going to pay. I, I think as a country a very a very heavy price for some of the decisions we're making at this moment. In yes, time. but what is wrong with the people in your party, James, like Tim Loughton, uh, who are seeking to make sort of you know score points against Suella Braverman? Now, like her or not, she's trying to do her job as Home Secretary. She's trying to do a very difficult thing, which is to stop these people coming here uh, because it is quite frankly unsustainable. We're paying £7 million a day. You know, in any other world, this would be a national emergency, wouldn't it? Completely. It is absolute madness. It's a national scandal. £1.8 a year just to house asylum seekers who crossed over on small boats, let alone the other costs that are associated with that. Now, I'm a member of the Home Affairs Select Committee. I was on the committee with Tim. I know Tim very well. Mike, I'm afraid I'm not going to... Tim's a good man. I've known Tim for a long time, and I wouldn't want to question his motives in respect to that. Well, what point was he trying to make yesterday? What on earth was he trying to say? 
I, I wouldn't like to say, but the, I, I think it should be said that me and Lee Anderson are both on that committee, Mike, and the yeah. question that we asked were very, very different to what Tim Larton asked. And, yeah. and, for example, if you look at my question, my question was basically, why can't we not, if people come here to this country illegally, why can't we just turn them around immediately and send them straight back? Mm. Send the buggers back. Send the buggers back. Send the buggers back. Why can't we just turn them around and say, right, get back to where you came from, says James Daly. Here's a little bit more from James Daly, Tory MP. You know, what, 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 what's, what's being said in respect to this, it is a national emergency. At the moment, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. The only thing that's stopping more uh, Albanian uh, illegal immigration and other illegal immigration across the channel at the moment is the weather. When the weather stops, we're going to have thousands more coming through the month of December, Mike. Yeah. And there's no plans at all. There's no hotels. There's no nothing. Nothing right. important to address. And this, and this is the point. Muh, muh, says Mike Graham. Muh. That's a Mike Graham talk radio. Send the buggers back, says James Daly. On the same station, let's hear the journalist Isabel Oakshot. Now, Isabel Oakshot has pretty much worked for everybody. She's done her bit for the Times at one time or another, the tabloids, and uh, she, she does GB News as well. Isabel Oakshot, what's going on? I suppose there's only one positive from this number, and that is that it utterly puts paid to the nonsense that I hear day in, day out from the anti-Brexit brigade continually bleating about how all our problems to do with labour shortages and the inability to uh, staff up the NHS and many other frontline services are all due to the fact that everybody left when it was Brexit and now we've got nobody to fill the jobs. What complete and utter tosh. Now we see it in black and white. The figures are extraordinary. And what I find so uh, bewildering is that sensible, intelligent people can't see the blindingly obvious, which is that this is an island with limited resources. Mm. And if you continue to import vast numbers of people every year, the only way that doesn't have an impact on everybody who still lives here is if you continue to roll out public services accordingly. But that isn't what's happened. And hence, as you say, that is why everything is clogged up. Isabel Oakshot speaking to Talk Radio. So that's your so-called right-wing broadcast media. What about the liberal media, liberal radio, or let's say centre-left radio? Let's listen to LBC's James O'Brien. This might be the last time for quite a long time that I use some audio from James O'Brien, but this is very important. So James O'Brien then, listen. Listen to what he says here today. It's interesting. I, I tell you why it's interesting, because there is only talk radio and LBC. You see, global media and power media, two conglomerates, were allowed to destroy broadcast media plurality in the UK, and they were allowed to basically gobble up all the commercial stations in the country. This is disgusting, you see. So when James O'Brien brags and says, well, I've got a million listeners over the course of a week, it isn't really much to brag about. You've not got any competition. What you've done, or your parent company has done, is destroyed the competition. So they've only got Mike Graham or you. So the Guardian readers and some of the readers of the Times are going to listen to you, not because they are enamoured of your broadcasting ability, 
Um, but they don't have any choice, you see. Plurality is dead. We don't have choice. So James O'Brien tells his listeners, you, 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 you who dare to criticise the lunacy of growing the country by half a million people when public services are being decimated and you are struggling to live. You're struggling to live, but you criticise the migration problem, so you are a racist. That is what you are. Listen to James O'Brien, and then we will discuss it in more detail. So the people who care the most about immigration actually care the least. They, 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 they are usually lying when they claim that, oh, it's, 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 it's the lack of control that I object to. Not always, okay? Not al- This is classic gaslighting, telling people what it is they think or what they mean. This is what the guy who's having the affair on the wife does, you know, when she knows he's having an affair. This is gaslighting. You who say that you're concerned about the lack of control at the borders, you're a liar, you're a racist. Always. It's the lack of control that I object to because I've watched people like Farage quite closely over the years. And what these people are very, very good at is providing cover and camouflage. You know, you hate foreigners because you're disgusting. You hate foreigners, he's speaking to his listeners now, because you are disgusting. Right. But what you need is a, some camouflage. You need to be able to say, oh, no, 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 no. I, I hate uncontrolled migration. Well, why? Well, because we can't cope. Uh, well, when's the last time you spoke up about birth rates or, or, or were condemnatory of people having more than two children? Oh, I've never done that. Hang on a second. Did he just say there that you must first speak up and criticise your fellow Britons for having more than two children before you think about criticising an open-door migration system? That's so fucking ridiculous, so fucking redundant. I'm genuinely stunned the goon that is James O'Brien actually said that. He said you hate refugees because you're disgusting and you need a camouflage for your evil, so you say we cannot cope, there's too many coming in for the resources we have, and he says have you first attacked your neighbours for having too many children? Did he really? When's the last time you spoke up about birth rates or, or, or were condemnatory of people having more than two children? Oh, I've never done that. This guy masturbates to reruns of his own radio programme. That's how much of a narcissist this guy is. It's incredible. This guy believes he's an intellectual when he's the furthest thing from it. He has actually said there that you must speak up and attack your neighbours for having more than two children and thereby... By doing that, putting pressure on public services before you even think about criticising having an open-door migration system that allows um, thousands of young Albanian men come into the country to compete for jobs and compete for access to public services. That's what he said. That's what he said. Wow. Wow. And I I wouldn't dare defend Nigel Farage because I think he's a bit of a prick myself. I can't stand him. Why would I stand him? I'm a trade union. I can't stand Nigel Farage. But you know the thing that James O'Brien does? Um, he doesn't debate with these people. He, he, he points the finger at people and accuses them of the most repugnant things, but doesn't have the spine to debate them in public. And you know why that is? It's because he's done it a couple of times and he has had his arse handed to him, gift-wrapped. Watch James O'Brien be destroyed by Jacob Priest-Mogg on YouTube, for example. Now, I don't like Jacob Priest-Mogg any more than I like Nigel Farage, but Jacob Priest-Mogg took him to fucking school when O'Brien was stupid enough to have him on after the Brexit referendum. 
So that's what he does, and that's what the media has become now. You know, calling people racists and repugnant thugs and bigots because they dare to ask, what's going on? Why am I struggling financially? Why is it so difficult for me to get to see a GP? Let's hear a smidgen more from O'Brien before we move on and leave him behind, I think, for a long time. But what is it exactly you've got a problem with? Well, it's it, 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 borders, borders. We need to control our borders. You just hate foreigners. You hate all No, no, they don't hate foreigners. They hate, and I've interviewed many of these men and women, church-going men and women in, in many cases, often people who work in, 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 in a volunteer capacity, working for charities. They don't hate foreigners. They have seen their neighbourhoods totally transformed in front of their eyes in recent years. They are hearing people speaking foreign languages on the buses and on the fucking trams all the time. They're not hateful. They're not bigots. They're not racist. Their entire world is being turned upside down. The Britain that they knew is disappearing and life is getting exponentially more difficult for them. And they're asking questions about it. You, you spineless fucking dickhead, it's your job to act on their behalf and to challenge the status quo. At least I I remember that lesson when I studied journalism, and I didn't really study journalism, I did English and history, but I went on to do media techniques and journalism with City and Guilds. I did television and radio at Salford University. I'm pretty sure they told me it is my job to challenge the government, not to abuse my listeners... But to actually ask the government, is there any merit whatsoever to the claims of my listeners who are saying, what the fuck am I doing on a bus on a Monday going to Piccadilly and I am surrounded by people speaking about six different fucking languages? What is going on? Why can't I see a GP? Why am I struggling to find a decent school place for my child? Why? Why do you grow the country at at the size of a city? With a population like Cardiff every year, while at the same time you decimate public services. It is O'Brien's job and Mike Graham's job at Talk Radio to do that, but, but they don't, and Mike Graham doesn't do it either. Graham feeds into the whole demonise the migrants vibe, which is what they want you to do on the right, and of course it isn't the fault of the migrants. If I was an Albanian young man, I'd be fucking here too. In a heartbeat, looking for a bit of a better job and, and, and better health care. Don't ever blame the migrants. That's what O'Brien does. It's, it's amazing stuff, this, really. I never thought we'd ever see this, but, but here we are. It's why I took calls in the run-up to the Brexit vote from people who were adamant that we needed to leave the European Union because there were too many Muslims in this country. Nobody ever rang up a radio show during the Brexit debate to say they were voting to leave the European Union because there were too many Muslims. Nobody ever did that. He's a pathological liar. I know this because I was monitoring these programmes for this programme morning, noon and night. And too many brown faces behind the tills in the local Tesco. Nobody ever said there are too many brown faces behind the local tills in your local Tesco and I'll tell you why they've never fucking said that because getting a checkout operator in Tesco is like finding a needle in a haystack. Good luck with that. Go into Tesco, good luck going through a checkout and actually being served by a man or a woman that has a chat with you. It's all automated these days. More lies. And on it goes, and on it goes, and on it goes. So, remarkably, it creates a political landscape in which the truth has completely disappeared. The only truth that's disappeared is on your radio show. We'll leave that dipstick and we'll leave him for a long time. Haven't people paid into the system over the years 
like through taxation, through national insurance contributions, haven't they? Like not just people, but their parents and grandparents. I'm fleeced every year, taxes and national insurance. Aren't I entitled, me, to say, I, I need to see a GP? Am I not entitled to say that? And when I can't get a GP, which I couldn't do two weeks ago, which led to me spending £69 with a GP in London on, 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 on Zoom, lovely woman, by the way, she was very good, right? Um, but are, am I not entitled to say, what the fuck is going on? Isn't it wrong that I should struggle to get a GP appointment or see a specialist because you're growing the country by a city the size of Cardiff each year? Isn't it wrong after paying for it, like? Why am I competing with migrant workers to see a GP? I've paid for the fucker. Access to unemployment assistance, which I haven't needed, thank God. Access to healthcare. Haven't I paid for this stuff? Don't I deserve answers without being accused of bigotry? This guy who's a trade unionist. This guy here who's a Bolivarian socialist or used to be. Don't have a racist bone in my body. Are we not entitled to ask? And of course, James O'Brien and the guy on talk radio who appears to be asking questions. He isn't really. What they're both doing is they are both covering up what is really happening. The right-wing media does want you to blame the migrants, and it isn't the migrants' fault. Left-wing idiots like O'Brien wants to gaslight you, to psychologically torture you, convince you you are blind, that it's not happening in your neighbourhood, and that you are a hateful bigot for asking legitimate questions. And ultimately, the public is no wiser as to why any of this is really happening. You know why it's happening, I know why it's happening, but the public is absolutely uninformed. And in Ireland today, more vaudeville, local authorities in Ireland are launching a campaign to ask people with unoccupied properties, will you give up those unoccupied properties um, for people fleeing the war in Ukraine? Ireland has got a serious homelessness problem. Um, the right-wing media in Ireland would like you to believe that homeless people are homeless because they're pissheads or junkies. Uh, it's not the case. And so what if it is the case? Um, Pissheads and junkies are human beings too and they deserve our help, don't they? But these days you are increasingly likely to meet a homeless person who basically has lost their home um, because they can't afford the rent. I met a girl outside Tesco a few weeks back. I gave her a brief mention on this show uh, just after I came back. Her name was Laura. She had a Scottish accent. It was about six o'clock on a Saturday morning. I drove up to Tesco, freezing cold this particular morning. Nobody around. Here's this young girl, homeless, not a junkie, not a pisshead. What happened? She said I couldn't afford to pay me rent. Had, had a job, has a job, still trying to hold on to the job, but doesn't have a fixed abode. That's what you're dealing with. More and more and more and more. People who just couldn't afford. They've just fallen out of the system because they just can't afford the rent. Yeah. But in Ireland, they're asking people with unoccupied properties to help people fleeing, fleeing even, the war in Ukraine. And I'm not saying that it isn't a noble pursuit, uh, either, by the way, to offer shelter to people fleeing war zones. Not at all. But don't you have a responsibility to your own people? Um, not in Ireland, you don't. Um, you just don't in Ireland. And you don't hear either. And I'm an Irishman living in this country. I'm a migrant. So, so I think um, my take on it, I think, is... I think it has some, um, again, I'll use that word, some merit. Back with more in a minute. This is Howard Jones, by the way.
Howard Jones and like to get to know you well on the Richie Allen Show Thursday's programme the 24th of November 2022 back with you in uh, 30 seconds Colds, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases a nuisance but we all get them Now more than ever it is essential to have a robust immune system Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. As a special launch offer to UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show, you will receive a discount of 15% by using the code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to Immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. And with free two-day track delivery. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It is magnificent. Uh, what James O'Brien does is, it's a binary choice tactic. There are only two ways. The, there is the way of, you are uh, left-wing, um, you, you, you are somebody who welcomes migrants, you are somebody who is compassionate, and you roll out the red carpet for migrants, economic migrants, asylum seekers, and you are decent. If you ask any questions about it, you are a hateful racist. There is no third way. This is binary choice. There isn't any room for a third way or even a fourth way. There isn't any room for the person who we described earlier on who says, what's going on here? Is this the right thing to be doing? No, no, no. It's, you're either a racist or you're not. That's what they do. John says false dichotomies everywhere like the left-right nonsense. Kiki says, Richie, hope you're well. I always love the way you make such serious and contentious subjects humorous. Yeah, it's the only way. It's the only way to deal with it. Kelly says, um, it's actually racist to dilute and then replace native populations with weaponized mass migration. I think the gaslighting is wearing thin as people can see with their own eyes. And if they can't, they need to go to spec savers. My closest friend's partner is Indian. When her family visit them, they can't believe what the Brits have allowed to happen to the country. Regardless of the strain on the country, people should be allowed to exist as they have done for thousands of years. Real diversity is beautiful. Multiculturalism destroys real diversity, says Kelly. Could you imagine if we celebrated India no longer being Indian? That's a, a good point. Grok says that Gerardo Colmon, the Irish journalist, is... Uh, writing and talking about this. Thanks, Grok. Dissidentvoice.org. You'll find that article there. Uh, hi to David Keane. Hi to Faisal. Hi to Marcus, who says he went wanted to see his, Chris, his parents at Christmas, checked hotels for Bedford. All the Bedford hotels are empty. Uh, were empty two weeks ago now. After the hoo-ha over Dover last week, everything is block-booked. I can't even get a room on Mondays. That's very interesting, Marcus. I was reading about that today about hotels being commandeered to house asylum seekers or migrant workers, you see. Because O'Brien on LBC would have you believe that most of the people in the boats are genuine asylum seekers with genuine claims for asylum. Now, as I said earlier on, I'm sure that some do, but we are seeing a lot of able-bodied young Albanian men getting off these boats. And they're not fleeing from oppression. They're coming into the country to look for a better life. And as I said, and I mean it, I don't blame them. They are not the problem. Um, hi to Caroline, who says, Oh, brainless is an arsehole. I hate him, and I don't use that term lightly. He's a symptom. 
uh, Caroline, but, but I understand that. Isabel reckons, speaking of Manchester United and a possible takeover, she says the Pets family, is, is the Pets family, is that Brooklyn Beckham's young wife? Is that right? I think it might be. The in-laws, basically. They should buy United, says Isabel, because their net worth is estimated at $1.7 billion. They certainly have the funds, says Isabel. Well, they don't, actually. It's going to cost about five or six million pounds to buy, excuse me, billion pounds to buy United. And then they will probably insist that the buyer shell out about one and a half billion on top of that on a brand new stadium. Yes. Diane is listening in a wet and windy West Cork. Good evening, Diane. And Peter says, good evening, Richie and everyone. Great to hear that Max Egan is on the show. It is indeed. We're looking forward to Max. What else is there? I don't know. There's quite a bit, actually, between now and six o'clock, so I better hurry myself up. Um, The Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, has suggested that you and me, that's if you live in the UK, that we should reduce our energy usage to prevent the UK being held to ransom by the Russian President Vladimir Putin. This was uh, Jeremy Hunt speaking to a Treasury Committee yesterday. He said, in the end, everyone is going to have to take responsibility for their own energy bills. He says, we will be there to help poorer households, but for most people, we need you to play your part in reducing our energy dependency. See where this is going? That we need you to start using less electricity and less gas at home. Wow, is it a coincidence, is it, that Lou Gehrig died of Lou Gehrig's disease? Boom, boom. Is it a coincidence that much of these crises, or many of these crises, that they are screaming about at the moment, right, cost of living, right, Russia, is it a coincidence that the solution involves us having less stuff? I wonder, is it a coincidence? And us being urged to make do with less, I wonder. He went on to say that it's a a national mission a national mission to make sure that we can't be blackmailed by people like Putin when they do things that interrupt the international energy supplies. Now, we had a good laugh last week at Laura Tobin. Laura Tobin is Good Morning Britain's weather girl, a woman who doesn't like being referred to as a weather girl. I'm a meteorologist, goddammit, is what she says, right? We laughed at her last week because she was in Egypt at the COP27 conference and she did the most outrageous... I mean, I couldn't... Look, I, again, I am naive sometimes. She presented the most laughable claptrap where she talked about how if we don't stop the temperature rising, Buckingham Palace will be underwater. Not quite. She said that water will be up to the top of the first floor windows in Buckingham Palace if we don't stop the old temperature rising. She's a, she's, a, she's a maniac and she's not qualified to say stuff like that. Um, but she was speaking today about the Chancellor's claim that we need to reduce our own energy usage. And this is what the weather girl told Good Morning Britain this morning about how we can reduce our energy usage. Listen up. There are so many things that we can do Give us your top consumers. five. Uh, well, number one would be... That was Susanna Reid. Give us your top five. Give us your top five. This is a weather girl now. 
but but she knows everything apparently. Be just lower your thermostat by one degree. Put your thermostat down one degree. Actually saves ten percent. Closing your curtains in the evening, twenty five percent of our heat escapes out of the windows. Because God knows nobody closes their curtains in the evenings, right? Insulate Britain. I know it's a really big deal, but insulating your homes again, twenty five percent of our heat goes through the walls, twenty five percent through the roofs, and if you have drafts as well. Yes, they will cost money short term, but it used to be if you insulated your walls, it would cost you two years worth of energy to recoup that. It probably will be repaid back in just a year. So all of these will have long-term benefits. But then also, there are so many other things, you know, driving our cars, petrol is expensive. If you walk more, that will save you money. That's one of the big cost saver. There walk more, don't use the car. There and, you know, if you reduce your consumption of meat because vegetables are cheaper than meat... Eat less meat. ..that will save you money. So there are just there are so many things you can do that will help to save the planet but also save you money as well. It'll help you save the planet, it'll save you money too and it will reduce our dependence on Vlad and his gas in Russia. So obvious now, isn't it? To you and me, anyway. Maybe it's becoming more obvious to the perplexed it's so obvious. Do you know who we haven't heard from for ages? Two people we haven't heard from. Dr. David Lloyd and, uh, naturally, they go hand in hand. We haven't heard from Kay Burley at Sky News either. Fabulous. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Kay Burley. Kay Burley wants to tell you and to tell me about something which has become known as a triple-demic. The NHS will today release its first report looking at the seasonal pressure on staff with warnings the service could be facing a triple-demic this winter with flu, COVID and rising emergency cases. Flu, COVID, rising emergency cases, triple-demic. Uh, far more on this um, with Dr David Lloyd. Hello to you, Dr Lloyd. It's good to see you. Thanks for joining us on the programme. How worried are you about this triple-demic? I bet you he's very worried. But before we hear from Dr. David Lloyd, uh, do take the opportunity to look him up online. Just to look at him. He's a, he's a queer, funny-looking fella, as they say in the West of Ireland. He's queer, funny-looking. He looks like um, he looks like your mother had sex with a koala bear. And he's basically the result of the sex that your mother had with the koala bear. Yeah. What does David Lloyd think? Well, I think there are some interesting stories coming out of the United States <clears throat> about respiratory syncytial virus or RSV so that's always traditionally been little babies that wheeze and a small percentage of those every year have to go into hospital uh, but because of COVID and because of the, the the lack of mixing over the last couple of years it's babies and toddlers that are hugely at risk now. Hugely at risk. And I gather that the paediatric intensive care units in, in America. He's a lying bastard you know RSV for 99.9999% of babies is a little bit of discomfort. I looked it up. What a liar. It's astonishing they're getting away with this stuff. America are already full. Uh, and so... She didn't challenge that. He says that um, basically hospitals are full in America. It's not the case, but she didn't challenge it. The paediatric intensive care units in, in America are already full. Where'd you get that from, David? See, that's what I would do. Uh, and so if, they, if an incredibly well-resourced organisation like US Healthcare is struggling. It does make you worry about what's going to happen in the NHS. Uh, the, the numbers are rising and seem to be much higher at this time of the year than they usually would be. So I think we can expect a whole pile of wheezy babies. and A whole pile of wheezy babies. And wheezy. <laughs> That's the uh, scientific term. A whole pile of wheezy babies. Expect a whole pile of wheezy babies and wheezy. This cracks me up every time. Wheezy toddlers that are going to come and see doctors. And as I say, a small portion of them every year have to go into hospital as well. 
and tragically, some of them die as well. So we are expecting that epidemic uh, on top of the COVID and on top of the flu. So yes, triple-demic is, I think, a good word. And you're going to hear the term triple-demic used incessantly in the next few weeks. More... Um, lots of people seem to be quite poorly at the moment. Obviously, it's the time of year, but they seem to be more poorly than they normally are. Is that something that you are aware of? Yeah, people are poorly at the moment, but far more poorly, or at least more poorly than they usually are. Before we get Dr David Lloyd's take on that, it's, it's incumbent on me to mention that a number of GPs and a number of scientists told me and told you that the poor misfortunate creatures who who succumbed and submitted to the mRNA jabs, that those people would become sicker and sicker and sicker as time went on when they were exposed to the seasonal respiratory viruses. So I wonder, Kay, why people seem to be even more sick now than they previously did over previous winters. Could the scientists and the doctors who told the Richie Allen show that if you give yourself that stupid mRNA jab, the spike protein thing, eh, that when you, when you come across a bit of a virus in the winters to come, you might be very sick. Mm, interesting. What does Dr. David Light think? Um, well, we're, we're seeing an awful lot of people who've saved up an awful lot of uh, health problems because they haven't been able to come and see us. They've saved up an awful lot of health problems because they haven't been able to come and see us. How does that work? You saved up health problems. And what did you do then? Did you, did you activate the health problems? Or, 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 or were you always sick? How does that work? And because they've been worried about uh, overburdening the health service. So, No, no, no. no. They weren't worried about overburdening the health service. They were terrorised by an advertising, advertising campaign waged by you, your mates in the NHS, Sky News and Kay Borley and everybody else. They were terrorised by an advertising campaign that told them that COVID was the plague and that they basically should stay at home. That's why so many people are dead now of cancers that they could have, you know, treatment might have kept them alive for a lot longer. The lies are monstrous now, aren't they? Uh, when a patient comes and sees me nowadays, it's not just about one problem or one particular thing they're worried about. Quite often they'll bring a list of several parts of their bodies that need uh, looking after. Several parts of their bodies that need looking after. The jabs, the jabs, the jabs, the jabs, the jabs. Anyone? So yes, I am seeing many sicker people and... Many sicker people, listen. Tragically, uh, some of our very old patients... Uh, are, are are succumbing at the moment because of all the, the, the weight of all the illnesses they have. So yes, yeah. I think that's broadly true. Yeah. Lots and lots of older people are succumbing at the moment and dying, says David Lloyd. The jabs, the jabs, the jabs, the jabs. And then there was a report yesterday saying that a very large percentage of people who caught COVID in the first wave have now got long COVID symptoms. And so that's... Yes, there was a report that said that people who got COVID the first time around have now got long COVID. And it is the opinion of this reporter that long COVID is, the, is a figment of the imagination of the lunatics behind this agenda. And it's, it's a cover for vaccine injuries. Long COVID, in my opinion, I'm not a medical expert, I have no training, but it is my opinion that long COVID, this nonsense that says you could live for years with symptoms, is basically their way of explaining the injuries caused by the jabs, but that is my opinion. There's a steady drip of patients coming in with long COVID symptoms, some yeah. of whom are really quite unwell. Yeah. So yes, I think I agree with you there. Yeah, I agree with you there, okay. And most of them will have been triple, if not quadruple, jabbed. Um, 
which takes me on to face-to-face -to -face as opposed to Zoom. Yeah, we'll leave that one there because we don't have time. The NHS England or NHS England said it was naming and shaming doctors today or GP surgeries which were failing to give people face-to-face -face appointments. I didn't check was my local surgery on the list. It must be because my local surgery refused to see me when I really needed to see my, my, my local surgery and the GP mad stuff isn't it it's quarter to the top of the hour this is your Richie Allen show broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk it's also live on Fab Radio 2 in Manchester the great Paul Ripley and it's on the TuneIn app too indeed shall I read more comments shall I shall I I'll read more comments if I can open the page while I'm opening the page let me remind you about the great Mark Boyersky what a man Mark was on with us on Tuesday it was a fantastic conversation he says he says arrogantly, no, 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 it, it wasn't a fantastic, it was fantastic listening to him. It was terrific and you fielded, uh, you put some really good questions to him, it was brilliant. At the end of the chat we had, he said, Richie, in the next two weeks, so up until a week tomorrow, if somebody buys an e-book at markbayerski.com, I will send all of the funds, all of the money, to the Richie Allen Show and I will put the person's name into a draw and they have a chance of winning a basically a box of beautiful crystals. So if you buy an ebook at markbayerski.com, you will be put into a draw for a beautiful array of crystals. To find out more about that, not only go to markbayerski.com, but go to his YouTube channel, Mark Bayerski. And thanks again to him for that. Let's see if I can read some of your comments. Don't forget, Max Egan will be on the Richie Allen Show, your Richie Allen Show, this Richie Allen Show, in around about 10, 12, it's a 13 minutes time. What are you telling me right now? Let me have a look. The sarcastic window cleaner. Nothing worse than a sarcastic window cleaner, is there? Uh, there's post-viral fatigue syndrome and there's adverse reactions from the poison jabs. Both are being called long COVID. Yes, that's a good point. When you've been unwell, no, I've been unwell. A couple of weeks ago, I was pretty seriously unwell. I'm still coughing. I've still got a bit of sputum, a little bit of phlegm. I'm sorry, you might be eating on the old lungs, but it's clear now. And I'm knackered now. You know, I'm knackered. And I understand that. Post-viral fatigue syndrome. Yes, I, I get it. I'm getting better day by day. But I am knackered. Real fatigue. Um, good point. Herself says, Richie, the jabs. It's dreadful. Genocide happening all around us. My girlfriend's husband's doctor bullied him into taking it. He just had a very bad stroke. I can't say much about it. Too painful for them. She knew better, says herself. Miss Gold says, Richie, they are gaslighting us. How sustainable it is. To bring, is it even, to bring people from hot places to North Europe where they need keeping warm. All the while pensioners who can afford it move south to save on energy bills. So we must keep asking ourselves why. Charlie says long COVID is their get out clause. Thank you, Charlie. Faisal says drought is visibly over. It's time to roll on the triple-demic. Well said, I would agree with that. Uh, Jamie says, freezing cold here in New Zealand. Not too much global warming. Must be because we are stopping the cows farting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that skeleton, that skeletal maniac, Jacinda Ardern, wants to tax farmers uh, on the emissions of their animals, on the flatulence, because it's contributing to global warming. What a nut job she is, isn't she? Jacinda Ardern. Gail says, councils are paying £100 a day per person to private businesses to house people in emergency accommodation for a year. But you have to give up your job or you will be charged for that accommodation, says Gail. Jilly says, if I remember rightly, 
uh, I was it not President Putin who said that we can't have his gas, uh, but rather UK and European governments who cried sanction Russia. We can't have their bad gas. Yes, it wasn't President Putin, says Chile, who said you're not getting any gas from me, but it was a decision by the UK and the EU to say sanction Russia and we shouldn't buy their gas. That's a very good point, Chile. Marie says, Richie, you are right about the homeless situation in Ireland. I've had a significant increase in individuals and families becoming homeless due to huge hikes in rents. Example, a rise from €550 to €900 per month. No one is mentioning this or monitoring it. There are no rent pressure zones where I work. Also, if clients are working, they generally cannot access social housing as their income is classed as too high for acceptance. And Marie says she currently has a family. She works in this area, doesn't Marie? I have a family living in a caravan with three children. A number of people sleeping in their car or vans and a huge number of people sofa surfing. That's the reality. It's like Laura, the Scottish girl I met outside Tesco. Staggering. Able-bodied. Intelligent. Very articulate young woman. What it was, as I said, what's... How are, I don't ask somebody who's in a sleeping bag outside a supermarket how they are. I ask them, can I do anything for you? She asked me for a sandwich and for a cup of coffee. The Tesco canteen wasn't open, but I was able to buy a cold sandwich and I was able to get a coffee out of a machine and I was able to take 20 quid out of um, the machine and, and, and give it to her and say, get yourself a bit of dinner later on. And if I see you here tomorrow, I'll give you a couple of bob. I'm not a saint. Don't praise me for it. Um, you would do the same thing. But she was um, on the streets because she couldn't pay her rent. She was articulate, very well spoken and pretty well presented. That's becoming more and more and more the reality. Isn't it dreadful? Isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I won't say any more about that for now because it's it's depressing because I can't do anything about it. You can't do anything about it. Not at the moment. And anyway, <clears throat> John Fashionu, uh, they've been piling in on John. You know, John, he played for Wimbledon in the 1980s and early 1990s. And I think he might have played football for Nigeria, did he? Or am I wrong? Did he, did he get capped for England? Uh, he's also well known, apart from his football, for being one of the presenters on... on Gladiators... On ITV. Awooga! That was him. John Fashionu. But he had a brother called Justin. Justin was a very talented footballer in the 1980s. And he was gay. Was Justin. And he, he also committed suicide. So can you imagine the Twitter meltdown when John Fashionu went on to Good Morning Britain today and said this about the country of Qatar and the World Cup. One love armband. I mean, what has that got to do with football? How did that merge into the world of football? You know, this is what we're saying from the beginning. Politics and football, we try and keep them away from each other. Because if politics goes into football, which is what is happening, the politics go up and up and up and eventually they will win. So I'm just very um, disappointed. So you don't think that the FAs should have even threatened to wear these armbands in the first place? I don't think they should have even threatened. Because <laughs> I, I, just, I just don't think it's got anything to do with football at but all. Once FIFA exactly. select Qatar as yes. the World Cup base, unquestionably that is going to raise issues yes. that are going to become political. Yeah. Well, we've said it uh, time and time again. If they're going to award Qatar the, the opportunity to have this wonderful opportunity for football, mm -hmm. of course, I mean, 
You would like to think that everybody will adhere to the rules and regulations of the country. Right. Simple. You think it's just culturally inappropriate to be making a protest about Very homophobia? inappropriate. No, I think that whatever the rules and regulations are of that country, whatever they might be, mm. adhere to them. Some of them might be good, some of them might be bad. But respect the country and say, OK, that's fine. I can't do this, I can't do that, that's fine. Well, as far as Twitter meltdowns go and as far as Twitter pylons go, it was one of the biggest today. They went for fashion here. And the truth, as, as, as is often the case, gets lost in, in these Twitter storms. So they pointed out to John Fashion, who wasn't very kind to his brother when his brother was gay, it's alleged, and it might be true, that he offered his brother a sum of money not to come out of the closet, which, um, which might be true, it might not be true, I don't know, maybe he admitted that. Uh, they also alleged that he disowned his gay brother back in the 1980s before uh, he committed suicide. The 1980s was a very different time and John Fashion, who comes from a cultural background where homosexuality is frowned on. So obviously him going on television to say that we should let the Qataris do whatever it is they do and shut up about it um, didn't go down well and he was absolutely hammered. One of the things though that made me laugh was there were lots of gay rights groups today on Twitter making the claim that Justin Fashion, God love him by the way, um, was hounded to death by homophobes. That is not the truth. Again, the truth gets lost in the nonsense. When he committed suicide, he left a suicide note. Justin Fashionu fled the United States after he was accused of sexually assaulting a 17-year-old young man or boy. Right? And in his suicide note, he mentioned the charges that were going to be um, dropped on him. Uh, for allegedly assaulting a 17-year-old boy, and he said he wouldn't get a fair trial because he was gay. So it's not fair to say that Justin Fashionu was hounded to suicide by homophobes. That's not fair. But the truth, as I said, and reality, well, they're, they're completely at opposite ends of the globe, the world. Not the, if I say the globe, you'll crack up, won't you? The time is five minutes to the top of the hour. You are listening to The Richie Allen Show, live from BBG Towers here in... Salford. Now, I do a show on a Sunday morning. It's called Sunday Morning Melodies. It is the most relaxing, for me anyway, for me anyway, uh, two hours of music and interesting stories, as well as one or two of the lighter stories from the Sunday newspapers. It's 10 o'clock every Sunday morning here on richieallen.co.uk. Lovely stuff. Back with you in 45 seconds. Cold, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases. We all get them. Never before have your body's defences been under such constant attack. Now more than ever, it's essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Immunex 365 has been specifically formulated to maximise the effect of each ingredient, giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show can use their special 15% discount code RICHIEALLEN365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. Now with two-day track delivery free. As 
Not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support The Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Now, Abdel says if Qatar was the only country in the world guilty of racism, they would have a point, but there is no country in the world free of it. Certainly, Abdel, that's a good point. And human rights abuses. Let's not get started with the UK. Uh, William says, remember what Dr. Cahill said, or Cahill as we say in Ireland, five years max, she, she says. And Kelly says, yes, but I think a lot of the jabs got degraded, degraded as they weren't being stored properly. So fingers crossed that most people will be okay. Kevin says that he thinks I might be right about long COVID. I was listening to Robert Malone earlier and he said long COVID and vaccine adverse reactions are indistinguishable. Richard Kelly says, is the triple demic maybe the new trinity? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. It is time for a tune, followed by Max Egan, who's in Mexico, in Mexico. Looking forward to chatting with him. Do drop comments on richieallen.co.uk, where it says comment live, and uh, I'll put them to Max where I can. What have I got lined up for you now? Well, it's Lou Rolls, something that I've played on Sunday Morning Melodies once or twice. I just love this song. I just love it. It's uh, Lou Rolls and Lady Love. Lady Love on the Richie Allen Show. BBG Towers. Yeah. Lady Love. Turn around to my Lady Love. That is Lou Rawls and Lady Love on the Richie Allen Show. It's a minute past six this Thursday. Uh, the last, not so much the last live show of the week. It normally is, but I'll be back with you tomorrow around about three o'clock for a bit of a, a bit of crack as I was away on Monday. I don't need to spend too much time introducing my guest this hour. He's a brilliant researcher, writer, uh, broadcaster and um, artist. He really is. Check him out at thecrowhouse.com. You know, this programme is picked up in around about 109, 110 countries. It is, that's the truth. I've, I've put, posted this stuff before. And in the eight years it's been on air, this next guy is one of, if not the most requested guests. He's beloved of the listeners of this radio programme. He's in Mexico right now, and uh, I'm delighted at short notice he's agreed to come back on for a chat. It is hola and buenos dias to the great Max Egan. How you doing, Max? Welcome back. Hey, Richie. Nice to be here, brother. Thanks for asking me on. Oh, it's a pleasure, pal. It really is. Um, question number one is the one I was asked to put to you by most people today. How is it going now? It's a year or nearly a year or just over a year since you left Australia, maybe, maybe, maybe over a year, because of the tyranny that was unfolding in your country and your fears that you'd never get out of there. How are things? Are you properly settled now in Mexico? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I've been here for 13 months now, and uh, it's good. I mean, it's uh, you know, a little bit touch and go to begin with, but yeah, I like it. Mexico is a wonderful place, wonderful people. Certainly a, a lot of freedom here, a lot more than you're seeing in Western countries. But I mean, I do intend to go back to Australia at some stage as well. So, I mean, I'm not here permanently. Although, once I go back to Australia, I'll probably sort of clear up my stuff and then possibly even come back to Mexico because I just like it here so much. Yeah, I can imagine. It's not a place I've ever been to. I've been to Costa Rica, which I know is not the same. I'd love to visit Mexico. Um, I like to give you the hour when, when you're on. And uh, I mean, there's so much we could get into. They're talking about a triple-demic here in the UK of COVID and flu and RSV. 
Um, they're talking climate change, lockdowns. The Chancellor of the Exchequer in this country, Jeremy Hunt, Max, has asked people to try and reduce their energy usage in order to defeat Vladimir Putin. Because if we use less energy, turn the thermostats down, don't drive the car as much, not only will that save the planet, but it will help defeat the dastardly Vladimir Putin in, <laughs> in, in the winter. Now, these are things that you not only saw coming, but kind of predicted they would come. I doubt there's much satisfaction that this stuff is actually happening, but it is, right? It's, 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 it's live now and the mask is off. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to feel comfortably vindicated by it all. I mean, I do feel vindicated, but it's, it's not something that I ever wanted to be vindicated in. It would have been nice to see it all stop. But the, the lengths they're going to, like turn your power off and we'll defeat Russia. Yeah. Of course. That makes perfect sense, you know. It, it couldn't be anything to do with the sanctions that they're doing, anything to do with this complete debacle in Ukraine, which they've completely fabricated themselves just to do this. I mean, it's it's unreal. Even when you look at the, the Russian pipeline uh, being blown up or disabled and you look at where some of the fingerprints of that lead to, you've really got to question the uh, mentality of these British politicians. But it's what we expected. It's what we expected. I mean, they... they want to depopulate the world, they want to put as much strain as they can on society and remove blame from anybody but themselves. So now, if there's people freezing to death over winter because the British power prices are so high because the government chooses to you know, make them that high and chooses to cut off people's gas and power, well, it's not their fault, it's Russia. It's of Russia. course it is. You know, it's so predictable, Richie. These people are nothing if not predictable. And, you know, thankfully, I mean, a lot of people are seeing it now, I think. I mean, they're kind of falling over themselves to try to keep their agenda going. But the wheels seem to be falling off because so many people are dying from this COVID scamdemic and so many people are seeing that all the hardship they're facing has been imposed on them by their own governments. You know, it's difficult for them to, to maintain, I think. I mean, they've got to come up with all sorts of excuses and reasons and you know stuff to shift blame from themselves but i think they're kind of running out of lies in some way i really do today it was announced in this country i want to talk in a moment about died suddenly a very powerful new film about vaccine uh, we shouldn't call them vaccines covid jab injuries i was able to see quite a bit of it today it's a powerful film indeed and um and where that might go but um Today it was announced that the UK hit a record net migration level in, 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 in history. Uh, that th there are 504,000 more people in this country now than there were a year ago. That's an amazing thing as they're cutting, um, you, you know, slashing healthcare, slashing hospital beds and, and all of that and making it difficult for uh, people to find good schools. And of course, as they're admitting this today, there is a campaign ongoing on national radio to accuse anybody who dares to ask any questions about the insanity of growing the country by half a million people when there's no money for anything, um, calling them racists and bigots. Again, you and I have talked about this for, um, for, 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 for such a, a long time. Um, that's a big issue, Max. And in, in, in light of everything that we've talked about, you know, with, with COVID and the jabs and the tyranny of the jabs and the coercion and all of that, we, we forget that this plan to overwhelm countries and economies with mass migration, that's going on at a pace too, isn't it? 
Oh, absolutely. It's going hell for leather. And it's interesting, that figure, like 500 and something thousand more people in England now. If you look at the, the death figures for uh, the United Kingdom in every country since they started rolling out this jab, you'll see the excess deaths is, is through the roof. Like there's there's like 50% more excess deaths, 30% more excess deaths, even 16% more excess deaths than what they would normally be at this time in any given year. So with all of these excess deaths happening and all of these so-called um, sudden adult death syndrome and people dying of COVID and all this sort of stuff, for the population to actually be increasing by half a million, it shows you just how many migrants they're bringing in and what this whole thing is about. They're replacing our populations. They're replacing the populations, getting rid of the white people. They don't want the white people anywhere. They've done this through Europe. They're doing it in all of our countries as well. In Australia, it's most of the hotels and things are closed, and you, you can't book a room in many hotels. They won't let you book a room, and yet – if you book a room nearby, you go to these hotels, you find that they're all empty. And you think, well, why aren't you booking me any rooms? It's because they don't have any staff because so many people are dropping off. The excess death rate in Australia is through the roof. So how are these populations climbing? It's because of the migrants they're bringing in. Our population is being replaced. And we, we've talked about this for years, tried to point it out to people, and now it's right there in people's faces. And the only reason they're not really seeing is because the media is covering it up. The media is spinning all sorts of stuff and changing the narrative on everything to try to hide what they're doing. But that's what's happening. Our populations are being replaced. And people really seriously need to wake up to what's going on. I mean, there's a war being waged here. I said in my first film, The Big Picture, back in 2008, that World War Three has already started. It's a war of depopulation that's being waged against the people of the world by all of the governments of the world who are all working in collusion. One of the biggest things they're going to use to wage this war is to break down the food chain. I said this in 2008, so it's kind of unnerving to see it all happening now right under our faces. And if you look at the Kalergi plan and the, the talk to replace the people of Europe through mass migration, genocide the people of Europe through mass migration, this is what's happening. It's right in people's faces. And, you know, they need to stand up and do something about it by not complying with what the government wants them to do. You know, we could go back to life and we could actually turn things back to normal if we just refuse to do what these parasites say. And there's no way anybody in any country on earth who's been running this COVID scamdemic should be looking at their government now and these politicians and seeing them as having any validity at all. They haven't. They've all outstripped their validity. They've all broken every law that's possible to break in their own countries. They've all committed treason. and they've lied through their teeth for the last three years, shut down businesses, destroyed lives, done everything they could to ruin our society. So how can you see these people as being valid and how can anybody be looking for any political remedy through this? It's time for us to reclaim the world from these parasites, Richie. Everybody should be expressing a loss of confidence in their local government, their local politicians, and make taking whatever steps are necessary to have these people dismissed and replaced with some people of integrity that can lead us back to a point of safety so we can restructure things ourselves. That's what needs to happen. You know, on the, the overwhelming um, democracies and, and economies with migration, the sad thing is, and I don't know how we overcome this, is that people tend to blame the the migrant himself or herself, and I'm not I'm not doing that, you know, left wing media thing of gaslighting people. I'm not. I know that what you have said is absolutely true, 
and I'm not sitting on the fence when I say that the migrants themselves are victims. And you know this. We we know what Britain, oh, yeah. of course they are. We know we we know what's happened in Iraq, in Syria, in Afghanistan, in Libya. We know this, but it, it's difficult for people to see that uh, they don't make the leap from or they don't make the leap to. My God, I wonder, is it the idiots in the suits in Westminster and not the migrant? But the migrant is right there, you see. The migrant is across the street. So um, I'm not saying that people, um, I don't see it happening in my community in Salford. People don't abuse them, but they do seethe with anger. And they look at the migrant and they think, that bastard, he's here and he's doing this and he's doing that. And I can't get to see my doctor, that bastard migrant. That's what they see because there's so much, it's, it's the proximity, you see. But they are a thousand miles away from the politicians in the ivory towers that's a problem max how do we deal with it that? is and it, it's the politicians that bring them in it's, it's always the politicians and there's two reasons they do it i mean like they they bring them in to replace you but they also bring it in so that there's division in the community you'll never get the community to unite against the government while you've got a high migrant population because a lot of these migrants come from places like iraq or syria or places that we've gone and destroyed we've actually turned their their countries to rubble the West has done this, and they're absolutely victims. So when you offer these people a better life in a, in a in England or the UK or France or America, of course they're going to take it. But once they do, they go to there, they arrive in the UK, they get all sorts of benefits and handouts from the government. So they're not going to rock the boat. They don't want to go back to Syria. They, they don't want to be sent home as some sort of a, a protester or whatever. So you're never going to get these people to unite against the system. We have this multicultural race war going on in our suburbs, which has all been contrived and constructed. And every single person within it is a victim. The migrants are as much victims as the people who are being overrun with migrants. And they need to turn their attention to the politicians that are doing this. The ruling parasites have played this thing to a T. And this is what they're doing. And they want the people fighting with the migrants. They want this whole animosity in your society. Because when you're fighting each other, you're not fighting them. And that's that's the most important thing, you know. TheCrowHouse.com, you're listening to Max Egan. Max is in Mexico. R- remind us that towards the end, Max, I won't forget, but in case I don't mention, to talk about Anarchapulco, which has been a huge success in recent years. And it's coming up again in very early next year. So we'll talk a little bit about that later on. Let's talk about if there's one, I hate to say this because it's such a tragedy. That, that the COVID jabs have killed seemingly so many people. That, that's a, a horrible thing. It's a rotten thing. But if it's, you know, resulting in people raising their heads and saying, hang on a second, maybe these jabs are not great. Now, I know that's going on in Salford. I know this because I've asked. And there is a very slow uptake for jab number four in the over 60s in Salford, in the various suburbs of Salford. And I think it's because the older folks who did take the first couple of jabs, I think somehow it is getting through to them. Somehow, osmosis, I don't know. But they are learning that these jabs are not all that they were made out to be. And we can talk about Died Suddenly, which Stu Peters has made, which um, has had millions and millions of views. And Forbes magazine attacking it and saying that the idea that there is a deep population agenda is crazy conspiracy theory. So the, the jabs are hurting people. They're killing people, and it seems that this is finally getting through to um, to, the ge- to the general population. What are your thoughts? No, it's great. It's great to see. Like he's done a really good job with that film as well. I mean, I wasn't. I was a little bit sus on Stu Peters because of the whole snake venom thing and all that sort of stuff. 
And even in the film Died Suddenly, I mean, there's nothing in there that I don't already know, but it's good the way he's compiled it into a short one-hour concise here it is it's in your face here's what all the coroners say here's all the blood clots here's the death figures you can't argue with it it's right there in your face and yeah it's it had something like it had five and a half million views in two days just on rumble i think the combined view count in two days after its release was about seven and a half million views in two days so it's gone completely viral which is great to see and he's done really well with it, and I think it's going to reach a lot of people. It's it's a concise film you can share with everybody, and it's inarguable. And the fact that Forbes had to put out that hit piece on them, so interesting. I'm actually doing a video today where I'm actually mentioned that. And if you, if you search on Died Suddenly, you'll see this Forbes hit piece, and then you see like two articles blow up that some sports star died suddenly. <laughs> Is <know>? that right? <laughs> It's, uh, it's hilarious. And we don't find really it funny. It I, I know you don't find it funny that it's sports. You're laughing at the irony of it. Yes, it's ridiculous. The irony it? of it, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's right there. Even though you just type in dies suddenly, you find the movie, but you find all these links to people who are dying suddenly. While Forbes is there at the top saying, this is all disinformation, fact check, fact check, you know. It's, uh, it's damage control. And there's so much going on with damage control at the moment. There's so much infiltration into the movement there's so much division there's so much stuff trying to trying to shut people down from talking about this but the the lid's been blown off the whole thing and uh congratulations to Stu peters on on a great job with that film good stuff max uh, should people go to the crowhouse.com i mean i i you're on youtube and you're on BitChute as well um to watch the videos that you're talking about where should they go just just get that in there that plug pretty quickly um, you can go to my BitChute channel and um, you just go to the Crow House and click the link to BitChute. You'll find all my videos and stuff there. If you just search for Died Suddenly, I don't have that on my website, but it's, it's trending everywhere. Like so many people have mirrored it and re-uploaded it. I don't even need to. It's all over the place. I went to BitChute the other day and like I think it was there was four or five versions of it trending at that particular moment. So from different uploads of different people. So it's all over the place, this film, and it's really good to see. And hopefully that will shift the tide. But, you know, even it must be shocking for a lot of people because they've had the jab and, and bad things are going to happen because they've had the jab. I mean, over over 2 billion people, I think, have had this jab worldwide now. So it's uh, it's pretty, pretty full on, uh, the damage we're going to see. And so many people are succumbing to it and and we said this was going to happen like right when they first started we said it's going to be the, from the middle of 2021 to 2022 you're going to see people dying of what seem to be unrelated causes but it's all going to be from the jab you know because it's going to compromise their immune systems and whatever their pre-morbidity is it's going to take over like people who've had the jab if they had cancer and it was in remission the cancers come back with a vengeance um, people with dermatitis it's come back with a vengeance everything anything that was wrong with people that they had cured has now come back with a vengeance now that they've given them this jab so people are dying from what looks like unrelated causes but ultimately it all comes back to this injection which as you rightly said before is not a vaccine now the vaccine the whole concept of a vaccine the, the vaccine the, the injection wasn't created because there was a pandemic the pandemic was created because they wanted to give you this injection, injection and yeah. they needed an excuse for it. And it's it's killing and genetically modifying the entire human race. And 
you know, thankfully people are waking up, but the, the damage uh, has been done and it's, it's going to continue. Unfortunately, a lot more people are going to succumb to this over the next couple of years because so many people have been injected now. But the encouraging thing is that not many people, as you said, are, are taking the fourth or fifth or however many boosted, whatever number we're up to now. Two weeks to flatten the curve, of course, Richie. That's all it was. Remember that. Now we're up to like, you know, third year and, and boost the number. However, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. So, um, but a lot of people are waking up and a lot of people aren't having it. Um, the jag, jab uptake in Australia has, has really, really dwindled. And I think it has in all countries. People are finally starting to see it. Unfortunately, a lot of people had to die for that to happen. But we said, I mean, that's what it's going to take. People aren't going to wake up. They're not going to listen to you until the people around them start collapsing. And then they might see it. When they start losing their children, when they start losing their relatives, then they might actually see what's happening. Very horrible news, but um, um, but good to see that that a coroner in the west of Ireland. You're probably following this story. Um, I, I've been writing about it on my website, but a coroner in the west of Ireland has demanded answers from Pfizer after a 14-year-old boy was basically destroyed by the jab. He had the jab and died uh, just under three weeks later um the coroner there and this is a big story but but the irish media is not really talking about it. It, it it's got to mention it but it's not really going into it in any depth a young boy called joseph mcginty was given the jab and it destroyed him basically it basically caused his body to break down and die and the coroner there a guy called pat o'connor well he's screaming bloody murder and he wants answers from uh, pfizer this is bloody good news max yeah, and, and so that's what should be happening. All the coroners should be doing this. And the, again, the problem is the media is not reporting it. I mean, the media are so complicit in this scam, Richie. The media are the one who've sold it to the world. The media have done even more damage than the, than the politicians or the doctors or anybody who's been you know, suffered coercion. Because a lot of these, these doctors have done what they're told because of coercion. They're scared they're going to lose their licenses and stuff. But even them, they're speaking out now. But the, and the politicians have done it because we know that these people are corrupt psychopaths and that's what they wanted to do. But the media, the media has pushed this lie. They failed to report the truth on everything, absolutely everything. And they vilified and ridiculed anybody who's tried to, to bring the truth out to people. The media are so, so contemptible. It's, it's difficult to find words for them. And they are so responsible for what's happening. And they're, they're the reason that none of this information is getting out. They're the reason so many people are dying and suffering, because if they'd ported, reported the truth on any of it, this would have gone away in day one. We would have been able to deal with this very, very quickly. That's been the hardest thing, is to get the information out to people. And the censorship we've seen on YouTube, on Twitter, on everything, you know, any, any voices calling the truth, are killed by the fact checkers and the fact checkers are a bunch of left-wing liberal with green hair and transgender whatever <laughs> you know they're all employed by Pfizer and the vaccine companies yeah. so you know it's incredible we we look you and I know better but it was at least I think we know better it was interesting to see the enthusiasm for Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter <laughs> you know, the idea that Musk was going to right wrongs and was going to call a halt to the censorship. And um, he's just carried on as normal there, hasn't he, this guy Musk? He's a strange character, isn't he, Elon Musk? 
Well, he's out there in his Baphomet outfit for uh, for New Year's Eve or for Halloween. It was interesting. Yeah. And, yeah, he reinstated Trump in a few things. But it's it's all about – I mean, Twitter's data. It's about data collection. Elon Musk is a data collector. He wants with his neural mesh and all the shit that he's doing. But people have got to have a voice out there that looks positive. They've got to have someone – saying the things they want to have said. They've got to have someone that they believe is on their side. You've got to give people hope. Without hope, there'll be a revolution. So you've got to have politicians in there saying the right thing. You've got to have someone like Trump going out there and presenting himself as a leader of the country and he's really struggling to get everything through and rah, rah, rah. You've got to have this, otherwise people will rebel. Same as some of the politicians in Australia. There's people saying the right thing, but they're not doing the right thing. Doing anything. And they're saying 90% of the right thing, but they're leaving that little 10% out. You know, but you've got to give this to people because without that – they will rebel. If they can't see that there's somebody in there on their side that they think is in there batting for them, then they will rebel. So, I mean, that's, that seems to be Musk's role. And he's an interesting character because he says all this stuff, you know, against AI and all this sort of thing. But then he's the one who's funding the whole AI he's thing. It, yeah. He's the one who wants to merge us with this neural mesh and all that sort of stuff while saying, oh, AI is incredibly dangerous. But, oh, we're not going to stop it. We, we've got we've to find a way of merging with it. Well, hang on, you could just stop producing all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like Bill Gates saying he wants to end world tyranny and end end um, world hunger by by injection programs are going to reduce the population by fifteen percent, and he wants to save us from mosquitoes by by manufacturing thirty million genetically modified mosquitoes and releasing them. That's right. You know, it's all backwards. Everything's backwards. It's all inverted, as someone we know um, has said many times over the years. Max Egan is our guest at CrowHouse.com. I uh, find Max's videos on BitChute, so go to BitChute, look for Max Egan. It's twenty four minutes. It's past the hour. A lot, uh, an enormous amount of comments coming in uh, via my website. You can comment live at richieallen.co.uk. Uh, leave a message there and I will uh, put it to Max. Um, Patricia Brownsfeiler says, yes, the media is very complicit with the lie. Bill Gates gave $319 million to the media. And that's just Bill Gates, says Patricia. Generally speaking, these companies know better than to bite the hand that feeds them. And she goes on to talk about 30,000 different grants that Bill Gates has given to the media over the last couple of years. Chris says, Max, I was happy to hear that you had contacted Polly St. George. Uh, Thanks for that, Chris. Um, uh, After a video she made at some time, he goes on to say that one of the people featured in died suddenly a guy called John O'Loonig or John O'Looney the undertaker he forecasted the massive die off uh, this winter I interviewed John O'Looney I was the first guy to speak to him um, a year and a half 18 months ago and it must be remembered John is an undertaker and he does make statements sometimes that he's not qualified to make I'm not in any way now castigating the guy or or casting any doubt on his credentials. I'm not. But he does get a little bit carried away with himself at times. Um, what he's got to say about his own experience as an undertaker is, is bombshell stuff. Um, I think he should leave medical matters alone because he's not qualified. That's what I would do if I was John. But anyway, each to their own. A uh, lot of love for Max on here. Uh, as I said, go to thecrowhouse.com. Talk to me about how we feel that this... COVID thing is segueing into, and by COVID thing, I mean the tyranny, the uh, the lockdowns, changing people's lives, introducing new norms, as they said themselves. How it is segueing into climate change and climate lockdowns, Max, because um, I don't spend the time that you do on it in terms of the in-depth research. I'm usually putting together radio programs where I can hear guys like you, uh, but my take on it is is that it's going to be climate change, climate change, climate change from here on in. What's happening? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. See, they needed the COVID thing to be able to put the contract tracing and all of this stuff in place. But now it's in there. It's so convenient because we can now help help it help us, you know, protect ourselves from climate change by using the same techniques. If, of course, it's going to segue into climate change. And climate change is a complete joke. I mean, they're, they're controlling the weather. I've been telling people this for years. They are controlling the weather. There are so many weather programs there are thousands of weather patents there is there is so much evidence that they're controlling on weather bring about all these floods all this shit but but the big thing about the lockdowns was so they could roll out the 5g system which is all about surveillance you're not going to notice a difference between 4g and 5g on your phone 5g isn't for you 5g is for ai so it can transfer the amounts of data that it needs for mass surveillance and put in all this contact tracing and carbon footprints and all the things because of course it's it's our fault that all this stuff's happening it's our fault that we're destroying the environment which is causing all of these viruses to come from the forest which is probably where covid came from to begin with of course you know this is the sort of stuff they can cook up this is one of their stories for ages because we've been destroying the forests all the viruses that live in the forest and now have to go somewhere so they're coming into our cities so it's all about your carbon footprint and blah 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 they're bringing in 15 minute cities they're talking about this in the uk as well bringing in 15-minute micro cities, so you never have to go any any further than 15 minutes from home to get everything that you possibly want. You don't have to go and fraternise with any of the other neighbourhoods. So they can create this whole lockdown scenarios and keep people in their little carbon footprint, carbon neutral area. It's absolutely going to go directly into climate change. It's all the one thing. You know, everything they can find to control you and to limit you and to blame you for all the problems that they cause, which most of them aren't, don't even exist. I mean, they're just perceived problems. It's like the pandemic. You don't need a real pandemic. You just need the perception of a pandemic, which is what the media has done. Same as climate change. You don't need there to be real climate change. You just need the perception of it. If you can control the weather a little bit, make a few floods here and there, well, People are going to have the perception that climate change is real and that their fault, it's all their fault for using plastic bags. Meanwhile, the government is you know, spraying depleted uranium over all these war zones and flying everywhere they want on private planes and you know doing all the stuff they want to do. So it's all going to be the same thing, Richie, but that's how they're going to limit people. And they're going to say, if, if, you, if you don't abide by your carbon footprint well we're not going to let you do anything you're not going to be able to travel because you're going to need a certain amount of carbon credits in order to drive your car a certain distance and if you've driven too far well you're not going to have enough carbon credits to be able to go and buy food or anything like that so they tie it all into one and of course if you don't want to do it then and you don't want to have your vaccine well then you are the one who is causing the new pandemic as well and if, if people don't do what they're told and don't get these digital IDs, they'll just say, well, it's new pandemic, it's your fault, and we can't let you out unless you get your government ID. You know, it's, this is it's important. all the one thing. Wait till you hear this. So some months ago, a solicitor, a barrister, excuse me, he's a barrister called Robert Hansen, really, really lovely bloke, and a very interesting bloke is Robert. Very, very learned, I think. He, 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 sent, he sent me some information, and then he came on the show and he said, Richie, there, you know that when you get a house in the UK, when you buy a house, the house comes with something known as an EPC certificate, an energy performance certificate. Now, Max, my better half, Caroline, and myself, we bought our house in 2019. And it did come with a certificate, um, which is basically a little colour chart, a little bar chart. And my certificate said that the house that I was buying, that we were buying, had a, a rating of D. 
Now, I'm a naive Muppet most of the time, and I was a naive Muppet then, because I looked at it and I thought, well, they're giving me this certificate. Uh, basically, they're giving me all the information I need to know to decide whether I want to buy the house or not. I thought that the certificate was basically just about whether the house kept the heat in, whether it was cool in the summer, and I should know this, I should know how efficient it is to make a decision on whether to buy it or not. I'm an idiot. That's what I thought at the time. So we bought the house. We don't regret buying the house. No big deal. But Robert said to me, Richie, they're using these energy performance certificates to eventually condemn houses in the near future, to condemn them and say that they're not energy efficient, they're too old, they'll never be efficient enough, therefore they have to be destroyed. Now he's right, I've looked into it. Listen to this message that just came in for you and for me from Dell. Richie, he says, regarding energy performance certificates, I'm in the process right now of buying a house. My solicitor's paperwork says, by 2035, mortgageability and therefore marketability of the property in the future may well depend on the property achieving at least an EPC band rating of C. So in short, if it isn't a band C, you won't be able to sell the house or get a mortgage on it. And that's what the barrister told me. He said they've trapped millions of people in the UK who've bought their houses with these energy performance certificates. And in the future, you won't be able to do enough. You won't be able to do enough to get the correct rating. And eventually you won't be able to sell your house or to remortgage it. And later on, they'll say your house must be demolished because it's not uh, good enough in the climate fight. This is stunning stuff, isn't it? Stunning. That that sounds exactly like the sort of thing they would do, brother. Yeah. Now, they're insidious, these people. They do everything they can to steal from you and to make it seem like it's your fault. And they just change the rules all the time. You know, we could just go back to doing things properly and doing things normally. And uh, all the problems would go away, of course. But uh, the problem is that people still abide by their governments. And like I said before, you've got to understand these people are criminals. They're criminal parasites. How can you think anything that they've done over the last three years is, has, is v valid? How can these governments have any validity at all? How can they even be introducing new legislation and calling it valid when they are invalid themselves? Every one of these people has abdicated the privilege they have to govern. And it isn't even a right to govern. It's a privilege. These people are elected as public servants to serve us in the way that is best for us. And they've completely stolen the mansion. They're selling the silverware. They're making us live in the basement. And they're stealing everything from us. You know, they are invalid. All of these politicians are invalid. You get these certificates and, and I don't know, throw them back at them. You've got to express a loss of confidence in your government. Every single country on earth needs to express a loss of confidence in their government, refuse to comply with anything they're saying, and throw them out of the building. That's what yeah. needs to happen. You know, these, um, and they are, Gareth, I came on with me um, earlier this year, we had a nice chat about the big protests. And Gareth has, has attended a couple of huge protests in London where, you know, several hundred thousand people, that isn't small beer, that's a massive protest, that. And I have said over, over the last couple of years that I'm not thrilled about the protests because... You know, in my opinion, it's it's a lot of people who know that the shit has hit the fan. They know, you know, they've heard of Max Egan. They've heard of David Icke. They've heard of Jeff Berwick. They've heard of, maybe they've heard of the Richie Allen show. So they know this stuff. What I would rather they do is that they got to Leicester Square and that they turned right and walked through the gates of Downing Street and exiled these bastards from these buildings and sent them off to Tasmania. Not that the Tasmanians would want them. But Garrett said to me, look, you're right and you're wrong. There is a great energetic lift from 
having these protests and there's a great energetic lift from coming together with people who understand what's going on but it does still kind of frustrate me Max you know it's it's, it's a massive opportunity there isn't any army there nothing can stop you do not harm them do not murder them don't become the monster to beat the monster but put them on the run just walk straight through the gates of Downing Street and say right every one of you then go to Westminster and say every excuse my language every fucking one of you out you go on your bike we've had enough Exactly. They all need to be sacked, dismiss all of them. And like he's right with the protests. It does create that energy. But but I've said this myself, it, it achieves nothing. You know, it's great for showing solidarity and energizing the people around you, letting them know that they're not alone in what they think. But if you're just going to these protests and you're listening to some speaker come and give you lip service, well, what for? You should be turning around and part, marching to Parliament House and telling these people to get out of the building. If you're not doing that, then what's it all for? You know, people go to these protests and rallies and they think that they've actually achieved something by going there. They haven't. You know, we need to take the matter in hand and call a loss of confidence in these people and sack them, sack them all. That's why you shouldn't be doing anything they say, even if they're going to bring in all these new energy ratings on buildings. So hang on a minute, before you bring this in, let's show that you have any validity to, to put yeah. any pen to paper at all within this system because you've just spent the last three years lying through your teeth and depopulating the country through lethal injections based on a lie of a pandemic that never existed to begin with. So let's talk about that and let's talk about your crimes and whether you can even write any legislation for everybody else because who the hell are you Absolutely. who the fuck do you people think you are that you can just wipe all this aside oh we want amnesty we didn't know yes you did we called this right at the beginning the politicians and the media are kind of hinting at things we were saying in march 2020 you know so if we knew it then you can't tell me these people are so stupid they didn't know it this has all been deliberate and people have got to stop seeing these people as having any validity stop putting your faith in government stop putting your faith in politicians and thinking these people are more important than you they're not they're criminal parasites who have just spent the last three years depopulating and carrying out an act of mass murder and it's time we call it out and what I'm hoping to see from this film that Stu Peters has just put out is Nuremberg 2.0 that's what I would like to see every one of these politicians every politician who's pushed this jab every doctor who has profited from this jab every police officer who has enforced this bullshit legislation every media personality who has lied through their teeth they all need to be taken to trials they need to be found guilty they need to be taken out the back of the building and they need to be hung or put them on christmas island give them all a hammer and let them have their war i i, I choose the latter I, i'll never ever i'm not having a go at you now i i i used to be a you know a, a serious anti capital punishment campaign or I used to do a lot in my teens I, I hate the idea of it, the state exacting revenge against its citizens so therefore I can't say that I would want these people to be killed I wouldn't I would I would exile them yeah I mean if you were able to get a legitimate tribunal going ever yeah. at some time in the future and if these people had fair representation and were given a proper you know right to reply and given a proper trial and if they were to be found guilty which which <laughs> presumably they would be I'd be inclined to say Easter Island. Yeah, you can fend for yourselves, yeah. Max. Absolutely. Send them all to Christmas Island, every one of these. That's Christmas what I've said Island, for yeah. years. Put every politician, all these people, put them all on Christmas Island, give them a hammer, they can have their war. We can film it as a reality TV show. It'll be great. Well, do you think that people will ever realise 
or understand. Look, I, I don't know. I think it's going to get to the point that, that people just get angry and they rise up and start hitting them themselves. Yeah. And that's the worst thing that you can do. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Hang on a second. Police Hang on. will turn on them. I mean, it's not, they're pushing people into violent revolution, which is yeah. the worst thing we which can do. Which is the do. worst thing. As necessary as it may be, it's still the worst thing we can do, you know? The, the, the question I was going to ask was, we learned over the years that politicians are frontmen for for a hidden hand. I've often used, oh, yeah. we, we've often, you and I talked years ago about the film Casino, where the mafia wants to own the big casinos in Las Vegas. So it gives this real estate guy a check for $75 million. And, and according to the press, this squirrely little guy is running the Tangiers Casino in Vegas. But he's not really. The mafia are running it and he's doing what he's told. And that's the question I wanted to ask you. Do you think... It, it will ever dawn on people that David Cameron, that Angela Merkel, that Jacinda Ardern, these people don't come up with any agendas. They don't write policies. They are just the no. face of it. Will people ever understand that in our lifetime? Well, it's a good question. It's a really good question. I mean, sure, they, they influence policy a little bit in as much as the policy changes slightly for each country, different strokes for different folks. These leaders know what works with their own population. But ultimately, like you say, it all comes from a higher source. And we've got to be really careful in all this as well because the way you replace government, the way you carry out a, a successful coup around the world, which is, is what's going on, you, you can't just go and replace the governments because people will arc up at that. What you've got to do is cause the people of the country to lose confidence in their own governments and want them thrown out themselves so that then you can come along and deliver them your better government, which is the whole plan to begin with. So... You know, the way they're doing it is they're, they're portraying it and they're getting people to see how corrupt we are on a, on a systemic level within our own countries and the need for there to be some worldwide governing body which is going to keep these criminals in check. But we just got to make sure that Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and these other crew in the World Economic Forum aren't the head of that body because that's what they want to do. And like I said, the, the best way to do that is for us to arc up and have civil wars and, and get rid of our own government so they can send in their healing force, United Nations, to quell dissent and, you know, yeah. get get peace and stability back to us and do the right thing and all the shit that they'll present it as. We've got to be really careful of how we do this, which is why the people need to establish their own autonomy. They need to go in there and they need to establish new government themselves. Sack all these people, dismiss them, throw lots of confidence in them, and then pick new people from within your country to lead us back to a point of safety. As much as I'd like to go to a system of complete anarchy and no governance, people aren't ready for that. People aren't educated enough for that. If you just threw the government out, it'd be dog-eat-dog. Dog, it'd be a mass slaughter in all of our countries, and that's not what we want. No, we don't We've got to be that. very, very careful how we go about this. I want to take on a comment by Jane. Jane has left a comment there. She says, enjoyed this session, enjoyed. I listen to you and Max regularly, but I'm disappointed that you would infer that John O'Looney is not medically trained to pass on much of the knowledge that he does. I would say that he is closer to what is going on than either you and Max. Jane, hang on a second. I made a point that John O'Looney is, is an undertaker. He's not a doctor, he's not a scientist. And after coming on this radio program, and this is the first program that, that, that hosted John O'Looney, he reached out to this program. That doesn't, um, I'm not saying that that's kudos to me, not at all, but I was the first guy to interview him. After that, he started doing podcasts. I get very suspicious when people working in certain areas come out and say something that's very interesting about COVID deaths and about autopsies. 
get very suspicious when they start making their own podcasts and doing interviews themselves. I get even more suspicious when they start making claims, medical claims, that they are not qualified um, to, 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 to talk about with authority. And I get even more suspicious when they don't present any evidence to support those claims. That's the point I made yesterday when speaking um, with... Um, God, my mind has gone blank. Who did I have on yesterday? Um, what, uh, Jesus, what's wrong with me? The, the, the chemtrails. It'll come back to me in a moment. I'm, I'm all over the place. So, so you're wrong, Jane, and I'm right. John O'Looney has no medical qualifications. He's an undertaker. Speak about what you can prove and what you know. And don't start making great leaps into science and medicine when you're not qualified to do that. Because ultimately, the watching public are not going to pay an awful lot of attention to it. That's the point I made yesterday, and I'm making it again today. Anyway, Max, I just had to to put that to put that out there. So, you oh, said- good. I actually, I actually like John. I mean, I, I I haven't listened to a lot of his stuff. I, I thought I had him on before you, but okay, we won't we won't argue that. No, he reached out to me about eighteen months ago and asked me could he come on the program, and I I interviewed him. I challenged him. I, on I had him on saying- about eighteen months ago, and I had, we yeah. got one point five million views on Bitshoot. It uh, it actually put his name right out there. But I, um, I had I mean, seven hundred like, million like views. Done. I can understand him doing podcasts and. Things. Things because he <laughs> he basically lost most of his income. So, yeah. um, and I, I think he's a sincere person. Well, he might so. very well be. I'm not saying he isn't. And and this is the thing you've got. I don't have to be careful, but I know what listeners to programs like this are like. What some listeners are like, they hear half That's of a good. sentence and then they jump in. They they, they go crazy. They don't, don't listen to the entire thing. Um, they don't, they don't listen. To, I'm not in any way um casting dispersions on the guy's character, but I would prefer that the guy talked about. Um, the job that he did uh, uh, but that's just me and uh, I challenged the guy a couple of years ago his, inter- his answers were interesting and then he was due to come back on another time and I told him I had some tough questions about some of the claims he was making and then he declined to come on and I thought that was very interesting as well um, because the truth apparently will stand up to any scrutiny but he kind of bottled it and didn't want to come on the second time but that's that's neither here nor, nor there and um, what's more important is talking about you you said earlier, and it's hugely interesting, that um, despite having had a good time and learned to kind of settle, not not learned, but settled in in Mexico, and you find so much about the country um, palatable and nice, but that you, you still want to go back to Australia. And that comes down to something, I mean, I often think about me and Ireland, you must still love your country then, Max. You must I do. Think, I mean, yeah. I, I still do a lot of reports on it. Even even in my radio shows from Mexico, I still put a lot of focus on Australia because a lot of people in Australia can't. I mean, if you live in Australia, you can't say the things I say on air. You get arrested. You get in trouble. Yeah. You get you disappear. I mean, even there was a guy, a, a semi-mainstream. Not he's not mainstream, but he's a, kind of a comedian. Guy called Friendly Geordies, who does a lot of exposure of um, politicians in Australia. His house got firebombed the other day. Um, so it's it's very dangerous to speak out in Australia, yeah. but there's no one doing it. So that's one of the reasons that I'm here in Mexico. That when I when I left Australia, I said to the Australian people, I'm not going to be stopping focusing on Australia. In fact, I can put I can say more about Australia now I'm out of the country than what I could possibly get away with if I was still in the country. So yeah, I mean I do. I love the place. It's an incredible place. They're incredible people. Uh, it's a beautiful country. It's being destroyed by parasites. And hey, I've got to say something because. If I don't, well, who's going who's to? Who's going you know? to do it, yeah. Tell us about before, because uh, we've got about three minutes left today. It's been great to catch up with you, pal. Tell us about an Archipulco, which um, has been running for several years. I remember speaking to Jeff about this years ago, and he was um, he was he was mad keen for me to come over and uh, to spend a few days there and to watch 
the the event and to, to hear the speakers. But um, it was never the right time um, at the time, and you know, expense and one thing and another getting from here over to there. But but I I know it's um it's always been hugely well received. Tell us about next year's in Archipulco. I know some brilliant speakers lined up to speak, including yourself, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. It's a lot earlier this year as well. It's on the fifth of February. Um, I don't even know who all the speakers are, but I know there's some good ones. I think Dave Ike's going to be doing a, a video conference. Mark Passio, Larkin Rose, bringing Ron Paul in. I don't know why they bring Ron Paul in. I mean, God love him, I suppose, but he's a bit old hat and he's still a statist. So, but hey, I, I think Jeff Berwick likes him, so that's all good. Yeah, and a lot of people do, but I mean, he charges a lot of money, I believe. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be good. They've kept the tickets sort of down this year, which is good. And I think it's, there's going to be a lot of people there because, I mean, a lot of people have bought tickets just using my coupon, and that's just me. I've sold, like, well over 200 tickets just with using my coupon that, that people have bought tickets. So um, if all the other speakers, they'd have coupons as well. So I think it's going to be a pretty big year. They're actually extending the secret garden for it this year. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great event. I'm really looking forward to it. Brilliant, Max. It was great to catch up with you today, Paul. Um thanks for coming on I didn't give you much notice I asked you late last night UK time folks go to thecrowhouse.com find Max's channel on bittute.com go and find Max there he'll be making a video as he said this afternoon so look out for that a little bit later on and just Godspeed to you pal I look forward to catching up with you in the new year not a problem Richie you take care brother stay safe stay well stay focused and enjoy you too Max bye for now Max Egan live on Thursday's Richie Allen show live um, from Mexico it was Matt Landman I spoke about yesterday I spoke with yesterday of course because I've known Matt for, for many years listen can I just say to, to one or two listeners if you get angry because I offer up some sort of criticism of some third party um, you're in a very bad place you really are this is a lecture now that I've given I'm not going to give it now but I've given it many times over the years you're in a bad place if you lose your shit because I say something that you deem to be negative about somebody that you think is some sort of hero you're in a bad place what difference does it make to you if I ask a question or pass a comment about somebody that you think is a hero I'm not trying to change your mind I'm not telling you what to think you go on loving somebody or admiring somebody anyway and you will in any case so you're in a bad place if you start to get really annoyed uh, that I disagree with you about something you're in a bad place and I would I would say snap the fuck out of it because no good comes of it my criticism which is very very mild of John O'Looney is more of a question than criticism you know I get very suspicious about people who all of a sudden start, you know, you interview them because they're an undertaker. They talk about some of the things they've seen and they want to get it out there. He came to me. I really need to get this out there. Fair enough. Good, we'll, we'll do that. Then all of a sudden they start making podcasts and doing interviews and stuff. Getting fond of themselves. And I start to get suspicious about that. Remember, I've been doing this for years. I've seen them come and go. And O'Looney has made some pretty strange claims about um, doing autopsies and stuff. Um, undertakers don't do autopsies. So, so it was one of the reasons I wanted to get him on for a second interview. But he declined, and he declined because he knew I was going to ask him some questions. You see, that happens quite a bit. I, I invite people on, and they decline to come on because they're you know, a little bit nervous about what I might ask them. Now, of course, I always leave room for for the possibility that, that, that I'm wrong. 
and 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 that in fact I've I've misread this, but I'm not often wrong when it comes to the truce or industrial complex. I'm not often wrong. So I'll say that. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm entitled to my opinion. Free fucking speech. I will say whatever it is I like on my radio show. God knows I fucking earned it. Right? And you've earned it. So you have your opinion, I'll have my opinion. And uh, I never get wound up when somebody thinks ill or or doesn't think highly of something or somebody that I happen to regard. Why would it bother me? We're all different. We all have our own opinions and ideas. So, uh, yeah, bad place to be if you get annoyed because I ask a question. Jesus, I'm a journalist. It's my fucking job to ask questions. And I will ask questions until um, I eventually am am prohibited from coming on to this platform and and doing this program. I will ask questions. That is my job. Jesus wept. (laughs) It's kind of funny to be criticising the mainstream media for not asking questions and then, you know, not asking questions myself. It's my job. Okay. So Awen says that we can't take Max seriously. He's lecturing others on how to protest, blah, blah. But then he's run off and is hiding in Mexico. Comical, says Awen. What an ego. Thanks for your comment. Uh, Greg says, I noticed that there's been no Just Stop Oil protests at the oil-rich Qatar World Cup. That's a very shrewd observation, Greg. It's not not one that I am... Um, connected with myself and I should have done you're right there isn't any just stop oil protests in Qatar uh, John says I agree with you people like that are in a bad place if they get annoyed because you ask a question uh, yes Kevin Gillespie says I remember the second time O'Looney was supposed to go on but didn't show Richie was miffed and sounds like he still is no I'm not he didn't come on because he knew he was going to be que- I told him what was going to happen and then when he failed to respond to a number of text messages and phone calls. He didn't. Eventually, he sent me a kind of a mealy-mouthed kind of half an apology. And I said, right, well, that's okay. We'll schedule again. I want to get you on. And, uh, you know, because I've got some questions. And he disappeared. That's how it happened. And that's okay. I don't care. John O'Looney is small beer. He's not important. Not to me, anyway. I've had hundreds of scientists and doctors and whistleblowers on this programme in the last three years. He's an undertaker who had some very interesting things to say. And and I was glad he came on to say them. But um, after that, his behaviour has been a bit strange, um, in my opinion. And it'll be the last I mention him because I'm not really interested in him. It's just we were talking about died suddenly and I was interested to see how often he appears in it. And I'm like, OK, fair enough. Uh, this is Thursday's Richie Allen Show. As I mentioned earlier on, I will be with you on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock for the programme known as Sunday Morning Melodies. It's 10 o'clock, it's chilled, it's music, it's stories, it's raising songs and stories. Sunday Morning Melodies with that is Sunday Morning Melodies. Yes, Sunday's at 10. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be back with you tomorrow at 3 o'clock for around about an hour or uh, an hour and a half looking back at the um, stories of the week and maybe some of the stories making the news tomorrow. One or two tunes. It'll be very, very, very chilled. So uh, join me at 3 tomorrow. That's UK time if you can. Neil says, the illusion of freedom will continue as long as it is profitable to continue the illusion. 
at the point where the illusion becomes too expensive to maintain, they will just take down the scenery. They will just pull back the curtains. They will move the tables and chairs out of the way and you will see the brick wall at the back of the theatre. That's Frank Zappa. I guess this is where we are. We've always been slaves and they, whoever they are, can no longer be bothered to pay for the illusion. Question. A big love, Richie, says Neil. Okay. Who says he's unable to listen live, so he's no idea whether this is appropriate. Well, it is. It's always appropriate. And if you hear the podcast later on, you will um, have heard your comment being read out. There you go. All righty. That's kind of um, more or less it for today, isn't it? I was supposed to drag out a bit of music. I did this yesterday. This happened yesterday. I was supposed to drag out a bit of music. And uh, I didn't. So I've got to drag out a bit of music now. I could drag out a bit of um, bit of Bruce Springsteen. I don't know what he'll put up with that. He, he's got a new album out. And it's called Only the Strong Survive. And it is an album of soul music cover version. So it's him singing soul effectively. So yes, I, I'm dragging out Night Shift. I'll play that. And that will close out today's programme. Uh, have a great weekend. If you don't catch me tomorrow, that is. I will be with you tomorrow at three. If you don't catch me tomorrow, you might catch me on Sunday at 10 o'clock UK time. Thanks to Max Egan. Go to thecrowhouse.com. Check him out on bitchute.com. His channel is the Max Egan channel. Here's Bruce. Look after yourselves and one another. See you soon. Bye.